Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. In this message, Brandon looks back at the original vision of this church, and that while our plans may change, our vision remains the same. I want to share something with you this morning that's just fresh off the presses. Is that okay? This morning I was reading, and and, uh, God just really put something in my heart that I believe is for this church and for you. I don't believe it's just a word for me personally. I believe that when God spoke this to me, it was specifically for this church and what God's calling us to be and what he's calling us to do. So we're going to do that this morning. I want to read to you first um, Isaiah 58. Then we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to help us. In Isaiah 58 and verse 6, it says, Is this not the fast? And this is the King James Version. You're, if you've got NIV, it'll be pretty close. Um, it says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you seek the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your, right, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall break forth in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Oh, let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you, thank you for your word. We thank you how you speak. We thank you for how you speak such a timely word to us, God. That when we need it, you're there. When we listen, you speak, God. When we cry out, you answer. And so this morning, God, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would enliven your word. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would give us wisdom and understanding of your word. Speak to us, God, this morning so clearly. God, that we would know without a shadow of a doubt what it is you called us to be and do. God, we love you. Put such an anointing upon your word this morning, God. Your your written word, Father, that it would sink so deep into our hearts that it would produce fruit, God, for your kingdom. God, we bind every spirit of hell that would come and try to rob this seed from our lives. God, I thank you that you would dispatch angels to encamp around us, that you would put the shield of faith, as Ephesians 6 tells us, around us, God, and that every flaming arrow of the enemy would be extinguished. And God, I thank you that light will break forth from this place, that light will break forth and it will shine in the darkness, and that many people will be touched by your love and your grace. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that they're yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And we give you praise, we give you glory, and we give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, give him a shout this morning. Can you give him a shout of praise? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to tell you, um, 
about eight years ago, uh, God gave me a scripture. I don't know if you've ever just been reading your Bible, and you're just reading through, and all of a sudden, it's like a light goes off. And in your heart, you just know this is something that God is giving me. And we were facing a situation where we were looking at starting a business. We were about to go in, and, and, and I was leaving a great job with, working with my be, my, one of my best friends. And I, I, I was facing the decision, and I'm reading my Bible one day, and I get to Joshua chapter 1, and I begin to read it, and God just begins to speak to me. And I began to read, and it says in Joshua 1, three different times, it says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And then it says, and everywhere that the sole of your foot treads, I'll give you this land. And so I just began to go and move and step in faith. And, and I want to tell you that for eight years, God was so faithful that everywhere he sent us, he gave us favor. Everywhere he sent us, he gave us, gave us uh, 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 prosperity. He gave us the abundant life that he promised. Everywhere we went, everywhere the sole of our foot tread, we began to see God doing things. And so that was our scripture. When things began to look uncertain, there was a time when I had the business that we had to write a check on Friday for $75,000. On Thursday, we had $1,000 in the bank. That's a little scary. We, I, I dispatched everybody. On Friday, I was like, nobody's working. We're collecting money. And so I gave out invoices. I said, go. Go into all the nations and receive as much money as you possibly can. And so they left and they went. And, and uh, they started coming back, and this is no joke. When we got done, we had less than $1,000 in the bank account. But we wrote that check for $75,000, and we, we had gotten just enough to make that payment. And God was so faithful that everywhere that the sole of our foot tread, he would give us that land. When we would go and we would begin to uh, pray about ministry, we would have people come up and say, I just want to tell you, I was praying for you, and God told me to tell you that you're not going to walk, you're going to run into ministry. And so for eight years, it felt like we were running. It felt like God was moving so fast, moving so fast. And everywhere we went, God was just doing things. He was, and, and I'm not talking about because it was us. I'm talking about because God is just faithful to do what he says he'll do. Amen. And so we're going and we're doing. And then we come and, and God tells us to start a church in Statesboro. And you know, when God tells you to do something that you don't want to do, it's usually pretty easy in a way because you go, it's got to be God. But in the back of our minds, we had always thought, man, it would be so cool just to have, start a church in Statesboro, Georgia, to be able to reach out to people, to be able to reach out to people who, who are in the community that we literally basically grew up in. And then when God tells you to do something that you really kind of wanted to do, you go, okay, is this God or is this me? And so we wrestled and we wrestled and we wrestled and we come and we start the church and then... The other day, I'm sitting there, I'm just reading, um, I'm not even reading the Bible, I'm reading a book on fasting by a guy named Jensen Franklin. I don't know if you've heard of him or not, but he's an incredible preacher, writes a lot of books, and it's a great book on fasting. If you ever want to read it and know more about fasting, it's a great book, and he's got incredible testimonies about what happens when people begin to fast. And I'm reading this book, and he's quoting a scripture. And I read the first line, and it was in, it was, he had used the King James Version in this part, and it said, and your light shall break forth from obscurity. And man, when I read that, it was like a light went off in my spirit. And I just began to see that God was speaking something to me. And after eight years, God had given me another scripture for me. But I don't believe it was just for me. I believe it was for this church also. And I believe that God's trying to tell us something. And this is the scripture that he gave me, Isaiah 58, 6 through 12. 
And as I began to read it, I just began to get more and more excited. And so today I want to take this scripture and I want to talk to you about it. I want you to know where we're going as a church. I want you to see what God's called us to be. And and I hope that it will excite you to see the plans of God that he has for this place. I believe that God, last week I preached a lot on Ephesians 3.20. You remember that God will do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever think or imagine. That he desires that for us. He desires that for this ministry. Not so that it can be a testimony to my ego or your ego, but so that the kingdom of God can advance and take back what the devil has stolen. Amen? Amen. Well, here, I want to look at this with you real quick. Verse 6 says this. It says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. In this scripture, God is talking about fasting, but fasting at this point in the Jewish history was such a huge part of their worship. And so he's saying, listen, your fasting, your worship does not honor me. You're you're looking at me and going, why aren't you doing anything, God? We're fasting, we're praying, and he's going, because your lips praise me, but your hearts are far from me. You're praising me with your mouth, and you're, but your actions don't say what your mouth's saying. And so I want you to hear this. The first thing that God has called us to be is a place where faith is sincere and it is genuine. And when people walk through the door, they see a people who sincerely love God. That we're not here to put on some kind of air. We're not here to put on some kind of of show. It's not about production. It is about us loving God and other people seeing that in and through us. One of the biggest problems in the church today is that, that we try to act as though we're something we're not. The greatest compliments we've gotten about this church is that when people would come, they would go and tell other folks, it's just real. People there, it's just a, It's just real. And I'm telling you, if we lose that, then we've lost our purpose. If we lose the, 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 the reality that God is real, that we may have real problems, we may have real circumstances, but God is God in the midst of those, and we serve a real big God, then we've lost the purpose of this church. And so I want you to see first and foremost that this is a place where our faith is to be authentic. It is to be real. It is to be empowered by a real relationship with God through the Son, Jesus Christ, and in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so we're called to be that. We're called to be a real place. The second thing that it did is it says, he says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Listen, the other thing is this. Our faith, if it is real and it is authentic, it will move us to action. It will move us to do things for the kingdom. We, we won't just sit there and come in here and praise God on Sunday morning and go out and live like hell the rest of the week. We won't come in here and praise God on Sunday and then watch our brothers and sisters suffer during the week. See, I just don't believe that the church, the building, the, the, the structure, the... the um, The institution has to be the one who takes care of everybody. That's your job. That's my job. God tells us if we'll have sincere faith, James says, listen, you know, faith without works is dead. Is he telling us we have to earn our salvation? No, he's telling us that if our faith is real, then it will inspire us to go and do things. We don't, listen, you see needs in the community. You take care of those needs. This is to be a place where, listen, we're not going to go out and we're not going to spend tons of money trying to go out and do crusades and do all these things. You're our crusade. 
When you go out, you bring people to the house of God. God has called you. He has equipped you. He has filled you with the Holy Spirit so that you can go out and be his minister to the world. It's not about the preacher doing it all. It's not about any one person doing everything. It's about us as a body coming together and realizing that we can meet the needs of others. It's not about us trying to manipulate people to church. It's just like, listen, man, this is real. And let me tell you, if your faith's sincere, then people are going to see that in your life. I'm going to be real honest with you. One of the things that I struggle a lot with is I, I can get in a funk. Have you ever just gotten in a funk? You know what I'm saying? You just, Denise, thank you for honesty. That's good. I wouldn't raise my hand, but I'm glad you did. I'm just kidding, Denise. But you just, I can get in a funk. And my mind can begin to wonder. And I start thinking, how in the world would anybody want to follow Jesus if I'm walking around like this? I mean, if you saw that, would you look at them and go, yeah, I want some of that. (laughs) I mean, you can get that Monday through Friday just going to work and school. Why would you want to do that? One day we're going to the Japanese restaurant up here on 301. And uh, we're walking in, and I was in a funk, man. I was just in a funk. I'm just being real honest. I was just kind of moping, pouting. Something hadn't gone wrong. You know, me and Dake, both of us, six-year-old, 33-year-old. And we're just walking along, pouting, you know, and we're just moping around. And then we get to the door, and my dad goes, Brandon, you can't go in. I said, well, why not? I'm going in to get me some Japanese food. He said, no, you can't go in. That sign right there says it's happy hour. <laughs> and I mean, I couldn't help but laugh, but it was the truth. He said, you can't go in there. I was, why not? That sign says happy hour. Oh, okay. And he was right. But we walk around like, like we're just so miserable. And the thing that breaks my heart is when I think about God in Zephaniah 3.17, it says that God rejoices over me. And that's the best I can give God. God rejoices. That word rejoices doesn't just mean that he's up there going, well done, chap. You know? That word means, it literally means to spin. It means that God is literally dancing. He is shouting. He is praising over me. And the best I can do is, man, that's just convicting. That is just convicting. When I think about the fact that God, the God of the universe, loves me so much that he is singing over me and the best I can give him is my lip poked out where I'm going to trip over it. Dad used to tell me, I'm just going to wrap it over your head. Because, it, 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 I mean, you know, we just get that way. We just get pouty. We get, we get all flustered. The other thing is that God is saying, listen, if you will share your bread, if you will bring the poor into your house, when you see the naked that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh, he says, your light shall break forth from the dawn. Your light shall break forth like the morning. Listen, if you will tend to the needs of other people, God will tend to your needs. And that's what we're going to teach these kids on the 30th, is we're going to teach them if you will take care of others, God will take care of you. I want to give you a quick testimony. And again, this is not boasting. This is, not, this is just God. This is how awesome God is. Those of you who've been here for a while, you've seen the transformation in this building. You've seen everything that's happened. You've seen it all. Well, you know, when you do something like this, it costs money. You know, we got a lot of stuff given to us and donated, but we still had to spend money. And to get it done and finished, we went and we had to borrow $20,000. So we're sitting there and and we put it on an 18-month note. And and there was just something in me. I said, guys, 
I said, I told our board, I said, I just think we'll have it paid off by February. I don't know how, but I, I just think we'll have it paid off by February. And so we're like, yeah, whatever, crazy pastor, preacher, guy. You know? They're like, you're crazy. Yeah, no, they didn't say that, but I know what they're thinking. And so we're, we're like, we just pay it off. Well, last Sunday, I leave, and I'm walking back to my office. Everybody's gone. We prayed for people. You know, I'm kind of walking back, just going to get my stuff together, go eat lunch, get a little fatter, you know. And so we're going, and, and I'm walking back there, and Susan walks up to me, and she says, Brandon, here's some late checks. You need to look at these. I was like, okay. She said, no, you need to look at these. I was like, all right, woman, I'll look at them, you know, as genuine, loving, and, and, and all as I am. And she goes, Brandon, you need to look at them. And when, you know, it's kind of like God. When God tells you three times, you know he means it. So I'm like, okay, she has spoken thrice, and now I shall obey. And so I went, and I took those checks, and I started opening them. And this was just God. It had to be God because of the way they were ordered. I opened up the first one, and it was $100. I was like, well, bless God. I opened up the second one. It was $1,000. I was like, well, bless God. I opened up the third one. It was $7,500. I said, well, bless God, glory, hallelujah. $7,500. Now we owe twelve five. So we had somebody else that came to the church. They said, listen, you need chairs. I think they're just tired of sitting in those. They're like, you need chairs. I want to buy chairs. How many you need? 200. Okay, you got them. But we have a board meeting. The board always just quenches all you. You know what I mean? You just kind of want to go and just buy chairs. Now, like, what if we took that money and we put it towards the note? I'm like, no, that's too good of an idea. Let's don't do that. That makes too much sense. That's too practical and too responsible. I don't want to do that. And so we go, we look at it, and we say, well, let's, let's, we'll talk to him. We'll see. So we go, we, I asked the guy. I said, would you be willing to put that towards the note? Okay, whatever you need. I just, whatever you need is what we'll do. Seven, eight thousand dollars that goes to the note. Now we owe about fifteen five. We come back. That was on Tuesday. Thursday, uh, a girl who, lady who helps in the church, she comes and she hands me a note and she had picked it up in our P.O. box. She says, here, you need to open this. I go and I'm like, okay. And she goes, no, you need to open it. I'm like, I'll open it. I'll read it. She said, no, I want you to open it now. And so I was like, okay. It's like, gosh, you're like kidding my wife or something. And so I opened it up, $2,500. Listen, we're up to like, can anybody add? That's like $16,000, $18,000. That is within... A week and two days of us completing this project. Is that not awesome? Is that not amazing? Is that not a God who does exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ever think or imagine? I'm sitting here going, guys, and I'm I'm the man of faith. I'm like, guys, we can do it by February. And God's going, how about October, big guy? How about October? Give him praise. God... God is always looking to do more than what we think he'll do. And when we begin to take care of other people, God is going to take care of us. You know, you will be a whole lot happier if you attend to other people's problems more than your own. I have found that, but it is such a hard thing to do. You talk about taking thoughts captive, man. You have got to bring those things into captivity and begin to look out of yourself. But our flesh cries so hard that we want to look in ourselves. And if we'll just make ourselves to begin to look, what does is, what is my wife need? What do my children need? What, what does my neighbor need? What does the guy at work need? How can I bless them? And when you're looking to be a blessing, it just seems like your junk tends to become less and less important. Amen? And so God is going to give. He's going to take care of us.
It says in verse 7, I want to read it again. It says, is, not, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will shall, shall, shall shine forth like the morning. Your healing shall bring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Then your light shall break forth in the morning. I want to tell you this. The whole thing of of light breaking forth and your healing springing forth speedily, what he's telling us here is, listen, God is not waiting on himself. We are the ones who have to begin to move so that God can move. Does that make sense? God is waiting on us. It's probably a lot more simple way to say that. God is ready to move speedily. When we begin to do these things that he's telling us, he will move speedily. He'll begin to work. He'll begin to do. And it says that your light shall break forth like the morning. When we begin to take care of other people, the light represents his full blessing. When you turn on a light, it penetrates every corner. It penetrates the darkness. And the light means that God's desire is that he would speedily bring forth his complete blessing, the fullness of his blessing into your life, into the life of the church and that we would see God move in incredible ways. And so he would bring forth healing speedily. And it says, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Let me ask you this. If God has got your front and he's got your back, what do you have to worry about? What do you have to worry about? And yet the Bible tells us in Matthew 13 that so many of us never experience the full fruit of God because the cares of the world choke it out. The cares of the world rob us of what God would do in our lives. We begin to worry. The word cares, it literally means worry. We begin, the worries of the world begin to choke it out. And yet God tells us right here, he says, listen, if you'll just do what I'm asking you to do, if you'll get obedient and begin to do the things that I'm telling you to do, then your light shall break forth. Your healing will come and I'll have you in the front. I'll have you in the back and I'll protect you. I've got your back. You don't have to worry about anything. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to take care of you and, and just go and live and enjoy the abundant life that I have for you. If we'll simply begin to do what God is telling us here to do. It says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. You will cry and he will say, here I am. He's telling us that, listen, if you'll do the things that I've called you to do, if you will be what I've called you to be, then you will call and I will answer. Your prayers will be heard. That we'll see God move. That we'll see him heal. That we'll see him, him protect. He'll guard. I don't know, man, we, we worry so much about what if what somebody else is doing. What are they saying at work? We worry. Are they trying to get ahead of me? Are they trying to do this? We worry about, you know, in ministries. I, I've never seen anything more competitive than youth ministry. When I was in youth ministry, there was always like the youth pastors were fighting over kids. And, and I'm like, my gosh, there's 2,000 lost kids at Statesboro High School, and we're fighting over 25. And yet we worry about those things. We're so worried that somebody's going to get what's rightfully ours. You know, the devil robs from us through deception. And one of the greatest deceptions is that if we don't tend to our own things, then we're going to lose it. 
We're so worried about somebody else getting our blessing, but somebody else getting what we think is ours, that we end up robbing ourselves. We go and we, we, there's a seed plant God's going to bring up, and we try to get it and stick it in our pocket, and then we wonder why it doesn't grow. Because we're trying to guard it. We're trying to keep it. We don't, don't you get mine. We live from this scarcity mindset that there's not enough to go around. The devil will come to me all the time, man. There's churches everywhere. You're never going to... You know? And he comes to me, and he'll say, you just got, you know, we're going to just go into history, and you're not going to do anything. You're not going to change anything. You're not going to do anything. And I'm like, my Lord. And, and the devil will try to use that to come and bring this funk, to come and bring this misery, to come and bring this, well, God, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. You know, and we're just moping around. And the problem is that, listen, there are like 65,000 people in Bullock County right now that need to know Jesus. They need hope. There's plenty to go around, guys. You don't have to live in misery. You don't have to let the devil rob your joy because you think there's not enough to go around for you. There's plenty. God is a giver. He loves to give. He wants to bless his children, and he'll give it to you. It says in verse 10, If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will, make, will guide you continually, and satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, and like a spring of waters, whose waters do not fail. You shall be like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. It says again, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. When it says that he will break forth in the darkness up there, the other places that that word is used is used when an egg is hatching. It's used to mean when water gushes forth. As if you were, you were to bust a pipe or something and water gushed forth. So God is saying, I'm going to bring blessing on you. I'm going to pour it out on you. He's saying, I'm going to hatch this thing. It's going to be new. It's going to be refreshing. And then he goes on down here in verse 11 and tells us, you shall be like a watered garden, and then you will be like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. He's telling us that not only will you be refreshed, but you'll be like a fountain in which other people come and they can drink of the living water of God that other people will see you as a, a giver of life, that they will see that there's the living God living inside of you. I was talking with a guy this week, a good friend of mine, and he was like, you know, I, I used to have this, I used to have that. I, I, I had all these things, and I was able to give to people. I was able to give it to them. I was able to share it with them. They would come, and I could, I could bless them. They could come, and they would look for me, to me for help. He said, I don't have any of that anymore. I struggle with that. And then right there, sitting in the desk, I, I really believe this was, this was of the Lord. I, I just see a fountain. In my mind, I just saw a fountain, and it was shooting up, and there was water just going everywhere. And I said, yeah, but what you've got to look at is before, I see you as this, kind of like this well, just moving along. And these, these little fish, you know how the little fish just kind of nibble off of what the well just kind of throws out there to you, just kind of what their leftovers. And I said, but now I believe that what God's using you for is to be this blessing of life where people can come and they can drink of the water of the living God. And I tried to point out to him, look, look at how God is using you. Look at how God is changing lives through you. Don't you see that you don't have to be able to give them everything in the world. All you've got to do is give them the love of God. And we begin to look at how, how we were called to be this spring of living water whose waters 
do not fail. It says in verse 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places. And this is my favorite part of this whole thing. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Those from among you shall build the old waste places and you shall lay the foundations of many generations. So I believe that's what God's called us to do. I believe with all my heart that we have been called to lay foundations that other people's lives can be built upon. And the Bible is so clear, it tells us that there is only one foundation that can be laid, and that is the foundation of Jesus Christ. And yet God has called us to be partners in that ministry, to lay a foundation. I believe this church will always be 50%, at least 50% college students. I believe it always will. One, because there's 19,000 of them about a half mile away. The other, because that's what God's called us to do, to lay a foundation. To begin to build people's up, people up. To begin to build their foundation so that they can be established. They can be rooted. They can be grown up in the things of God. And that it would go from generation to generation to generation. You know, one thing I realize in my life is that it, I can acquire anything. I can, get in, I, can, I can have anything that my heart desires. But if I don't pass Christ on to my children, then I have done nothing. If I can't pass my faith to my kids, then I have done absolutely nothing. That's one reason the children are so important to us here. I can do anything. I can accomplish. I can da-da-da-da-da. But if my kids die and go to hell, then I have failed. And so God is calling us to raise up generations. He's calling us to lay a foundation of generation. Older people, I'm telling you, the music may not be exactly what you want. You might want, um, you know, found of many blessings. You might get, um, I don't know, a happy day. But if we can see the vision, if we can see where we're going, if we can see that, that if we'll do things to reach the next generation, it'll perpetuate itself and people will begin to come into the kingdom of God. But there's a lot of lost and hurting people out there that don't need status quo. They don't need the same old thing. They need something new. They need something fresh. And I want to tell you that God is always fresh. And I tell you this, the problem with most people in the church today, and sometimes including myself, is that we live off of day-old manna. If you remember the Jews were in the desert and God said, I'll provide for you, and he's sending them manna, manna falling from the sky. Wouldn't that be cool? Just like have a chicken leg fall out of the sky or something. And he's sending them manna, and it's just falling from the sky. And if you remember, they could go out and they'd gather enough that they could bring back for one day. And then on Saturday, they could gather enough for, or the day before the Sabbath, they could gather enough to come back for two days so they wouldn't have to gather on the Sabbath. But do you remember what happened when they tried to gather more than they were supposed to? The next morning, they'd wake up and it'd be turned to maggots. And I believe one of the things that God's teaching us right there is exactly what Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, give us this day our daily bread. See, the, the, the bread is not just our material need. The bread is also the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And what God is telling us in the prayer and through the manna is you need my daily bread. You can't make it if you're living off of old manna. And the problem is so many of us today are living in a place that is just dead and it's stale. See, God's never stale. 
God is fresh. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. It even says in Psalm 35 that, listen, sorrow may come in the night, but in the morning joy will come. It tells us that that word joy means that there will be shouting, that there will be dancing, that there will be hollering. There will be such a rejoicing that it's like a victory chant. That God's telling us, listen, if you'll come to me, if you'll let me be the living bread, if you'll let me be what you need me to be today, and then let me be what you need me to be tomorrow, then you'll be rejoicing. There may be sorrow in the night, but joy will come in the morning. Do you believe that today? That is God's promise. And then when people begin to see how you live, listen, and it's real, and it's real, and you're going to have hiccups, and you're going to hit bumps, and you're going to be like me, and one day you're going to be walking down the road, and you're going to go, man, this is just like when Brandon was going into the Japanese restaurant. But then you take that, and you go, nope, nope. I need to look and I need to go back and find the God of my salvation because the word of God says that if I'll look to him, that I'll have joy in my salvation and the God of my salvation will, will bring rejoicing into my life and we begin to put our eyes on him. In Luke 10, 17 through 20, the Bible tells us this. He, Jesus had sent out the disciples. They went, he said, go and I want you to heal in, the name of, in my name. He said, go and begin to heal. They go out. He sends 72 of them out. They go and they begin to heal. They begin to do all these things. And they come back with this expectation that healing would happen. But they come back and they tell Jesus what? They say, listen, Jesus, even the demons obey us in your name. Even the demons will obey in your name. And Jesus looks at them and goes, listen, guys, it's great. I give you all this authority. I give you all this authority, but don't rejoice that the demons obey you. Rejoice that your names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. And when I read that one day, we were getting ready to start the church, and God spoke so clearly to me and said, Brandon, don't you place your joy in this ministry. It'll be a roller coaster ride. One day you might have 100, the next day you'll have 25. Don't you put your joy in the ministry. Don't you place it there. You put your joy in me. And I believe that that is why so many pastors preach on Sunday and resign on Monday. It's because their joy is not found in the Lord. Their joy is found in their, their ministry and how many people they got. For others, it might be that it's found in work. When work's going good, bless God. Amen. I am the man. And then when it starts to tank lip comes out we start pouting you know it's easy to be joyful when things are going right but now show me somebody who can rejoice in tribulation in trials in an economy that's stinking it up and I'll show you somebody that is evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit So that God is calling us to place our eyes, our focus on him, that we would be able to rejoice in him because it is steady. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. It's the only place you can put your faith. It's the only place you can put your trust and know that every day it's going to be the same. He's never going to change. I mean, we sing it all the time, and yet yet we just can't get it in our head that if I put it anywhere else, I'm going to get let down. And yet God never lets us down. He's there for us all the time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I just want to encourage you today. That may have been scattered. I don't know. But I just want you to hear that I believe this is what God's calling us to do. 
I believe with all my heart that this is where God is calling us, is to be a place where we extend our soul to the hungry and we satisfy the afflicted soul. And I believe with all my heart that the light will break forth in the darkness and listen, the darkness will be as the noonday. God is telling us that a new thing is going to break forth. He's telling us that the light will come and then even the darkest time will be as the noonday. That's an awesome promise that God's telling us. But I believe that's where God is going to take us. Amen.